Thanks for joining me for this week's podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. Uh, so this week I wanted to get into some NBA news. Uh, we had, well, the conference finals are set now. Uh, we had that Bucks net series end, and then also the uh, the Hawks and the, the Sixers, as well as the Suns and, or no, the Clippers and Jazz as well. So uh, we'll break those down, and then we'll do preview um, I'm recording this about an hour before Game 2 of the Clips and the Suns. Uh, so by the time you listen to this, some of this will probably uh, be irrelevant. So I'll start with the, the Clips and the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz lost four straight in that game to lose the series to the Clippers. Clippers make their first conference championship game. I had originally picked uh, the Clippers to make it all the way to the conference finals. Um, and then I think I had them losing to the, the Lakers going, um, to go to the finals. And with the news of Kawhi Leonard, you know, I had picked Utah to eventually win that series because, you know, Clippers without Kawhi, and then they got to depend more on uh, Paul George and, and is it Marquis for Marcus Morris they have on their team? One of the Morris twins, and then uh, Reggie Jackson, who's been amazing this postseason, man. I didn't know he, he had that in him anymore. He, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't like this before. He's definitely a late bloomer there. Uh, but, you know, with... With uh, Donovan Mitchell, he was playing well even though he was injured. And, um, you know, Rudy Gobert, you know, he, he has showed his flaws there uh, defensively, even though he won Defensive Player of the Year and all that. You know, you can't really bring him past outside the basket too far um, because then they they just run circles on him. And, you know, that's what the Clippers did. And he wasn't really giving you much um, offensively. So, you know, I think the best option would have been to just play small ball against uh, the Clippers. And shout out to Tyron Lu. He made adjustments. He saw the flaws in, in Utah and how to beat them. Made those adjustments after the second game. After they were down 2-0. And they went for four straight, you know, after Kawhi goes down. And, you know, they win, they win that series, you know. And I thought... Um, you know, with Mike Conley coming back, I thought he'd be healthy enough, but he clearly wasn't healthy enough and kind of rushed back to try to save the series. But they're already done. Um, and, you know, they had a good, they had a great season, you know, but I don't think anyone was truly buying into them as being, uh, you know, championship contenders. You know, they have a great regular season, but they haven't been proven yet in, in the postseason, you know, and, um, and Quinn Snyder, he didn't make the necessary adjustments in the game. You know, leaving Gobert out there and uh, not really filling in the void for Mike Conley. Um, but, you know, I think as far as roster-wise, I think they got to run it back, you know, and, and just pray that they're they're fully healthy next year because, uh, you know, they, they, they need more more time together, I guess. And, you know, you had Clarkson there, and he was, he was kind of hit and miss there uh, this series. But... And then Bogdanovich, he played well in spots. But overall, you know, I think you really needed Mike Conley, who's a free agent. And, you know, he he really statement, or they asked him about it, and he said, you know, he, he enjoyed his time there or had a great time there. Uh, but we'll see what happens. So, you know, that's kind of up in the air, it seems like. But if I'm Utah, I got to I gotta sign him as soon as I can, you know, because he was really important for the team. I thought Donovan Mitchell showed even more so, you know, last playoffs, postseason in the bubble, you know, he showed that he is a star and, you know, he's just shining brighter each postseason, each time we get to see him in a big game. Uh, for the Clippers, you know, Paul George delivered. You know, he had a great game there, uh, but it, he wasn't the the main story there. It was uh, Terrence Mann. Now, Terrence Mann dropped 39 points, 15 to 21, 
in that closeout game against Utah. Paul George looked good too. He was aggressive. You know, he picked his spots and, and was efficient from the floor, uh, which, you know, I was saying the episode before was that he needs to have a big game. We looked to him to, to do that. And, you know, he got other guys involved and Terrence Mann showed up, Morris showed up, and, and Jackson showed up as well. And um, this is a good team. You know, I think uh, Tyron Liu has them in position to, to make the finals. Um, but right now they're running into the Phoenix Suns, who, you know, uh, Chris Paul's still out. He's going to be out for game two. He was out game one. And Kawhi, there's been kind of mixed reports on that. I've heard that he's out indefinitely or out for the rest of the postseason because his knee and it might be an ACL injury. Then I'm also hearing rumblings about him possibly returning during this series. Um, so, I don't know, kind of up in the air, I guess. And it seems like if they do make it to the finals that Kawhi is going to play. So with Paul, not Paul George, with uh, Kawhi and Chris Paul out first two games, uh, you had Devin Booker in that first game, had an amazing game, was playing point pretty much the entire time. I think he had, I want to say over 40 points. I don't have it in front of me, but he just looked so dominant. You know, they couldn't, they didn't have an answer for him. Paul George was good too, but you know, they kind of uh, crumbled at the end there. Uh, but they'll, they'll have to make, some adjustments, you know, which I think tonight this game will probably go to the Clippers. I think this series is going seven. Um, I think it could be pretty good back and forth, especially depending on if if Chris Paul comes back next game or a game for game three, then I think the Clippers are done, especially if they don't get back Kawhi Leonard. But if Leonard comes back and, you know, he's able to be equally as productive as he was before, then I think it could go seven. So a lot hinges on the availability. I think more so on Kawhi Leonard uh, than Chris Paul because you know with without Chris Paul I think the the Suns can can still win the finals actually because they they would rely more on Devin Booker and they have a lot of depth actually on that team and they just work so well together um, and right now the the Suns are you know like I said a couple episodes ago now they're my favorite uh, to win the the championship I think there's kind of a collision course between uh, them and the Hawks right now um, so yeah we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Hawks and the and the Sixers, then went to Game 7. I know there's a lot of Ben Simmons hate right now. Uh, he has just been awful for them. It was just a, a terrible series for him against uh, the Atlanta Hawks. It was like was like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. He had an open dunk right there. Had uh, Trey Young was right there. And at the end, he, he decided to pass it. And then um, I think he passed it to Theibel. And then Theibel got fouled. And made one free throw, and then like that was it. You know, uh, Atlanta was able to pull away, but they the the Sixers had a chance. I thought they were going to win, uh, but it, it just seems like Ben Simmons is scared to shoot. You know, he can you know he can score and do stuff. You know, he can score in the paint, but now when he gets the ball, he just tries to get rid of it as soon as possible. You know, and I think and he's even mentioned it. You know, during one of the uh, press conferences was that. He's struggling with his shot, his uh, his free throw shot, and he says it's all mental, you know. So it seems like he might have the yips or something because he doesn't even want to take a shot. He doesn't want the ball in his hands. And in crunch time, right there, and he's supposed to be your second best player. You want the ball in his hands. You want him scoring. In one of the games, I think it was Game Six in the second half, the only two players to score for the the Sixers was uh, Seth Curry and Joel Embiid, and no one else even scored. You got all these guys there on the team. You can't even score. I thought they should have give, uh, given Shake Milton some run, like something, make a change. 
You know, I just talked about adjustments with Quinn Snyder. Doc Rivers, I love Doc Rivers. I've defended him many times. But, you know, he, 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 this is like his, was it six consecutive Game 7 loss or something like that? And, I mean, you can't keep you can't keep Ben Simmons out there, you know, in crunch time. he was He's obviously a liability. You got other guys you can turn to and just hope and pray that they can make a shot. They're going to want to be aggressive. Like, all Ben Simmons has to do is be aggressive. Just dunk the ball. If you get fouled, like, fuck, man, take that pressure on. You know, Giannis has been doing it even though he's been struggling and he's been taking 12 seconds, 13 seconds to shoot a fucking free throw. But at least he's out there trying, being aggressive, you know, affecting the game in other ways. You know, Ben Simmons had, I think he had like eight assists or 10 assists or something. So he was passing the ball, but that's because he didn't want to touch it. He was playing hot potato with the basketball himself. And, um, yeah, Doc Rivers didn't make an adjustment there. I thought he should have pulled Ben Simmons. You know, it it tells you something when you're relying on Seth Curry as much as they did. Um, and then, uh, you know, also Joel Embiid, you know, he, I'll, I'll give Joel Embiid a pass, you know, because I, I, he missed some free throws in key moments in game six and game five. But, you know, the whole offense is just all through Joel Embiid and he doesn't have a solid number two that he can rely on that's like, okay, you know, I, I need, I like, we're focusing too much on me offensively. Like, hey, let me kick it to Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, you can kind of take control here. Let's call some plays for you. But really, it, it was Seth Curry was the number two this whole series, it seemed like, right? And they call no plays for for Seth Curry at all. But he was he was leading the team in scoring a few nights. And, and that's because he's just a smart player. He's picking his spots. He uh, He's a good three-point shooter. And he was just getting open. He was being aggressive, really. And he was doing what uh, Harris needs to do. And uh, also Ben Simmons. Like, these guys need to be aggressive. And it can't all just rely on, on Joel Embiid and then and then Curry picking up the slack here and there. Curry has been a, a revelation for them, though. That was a, a great trade for him that they made with Dallas. Because uh, without him, I mean, they would have been, they would have lost by, I don't know, they would have lost in game five, maybe. But uh, do even Dwight Howard was better. His plus minus was better than Ben Simmons. And and I don't know, you know, I, um, you know, it, it's not a good look for, uh, for Doc Rivers. When the same team that you just coached, virtually the same team in the Los Angeles Clippers, all they do is switch coaches. You know, uh, Tyron Lue was his, his associate coach, his assistant coach there, and then they do a coaching change. Doc Rivers goes to Philly. They promote Tyron Lue, who's in the conference finals. And everyone was down on the Clippers the entire year. And, and what did I say? That, you know, they this is a good spot for them to be, just not believe in Paul George, not believe Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue's a damn good coach. And, you know, everyone gave LeBron the credit. I thought they should have hired him in, in L.A. Um, instead of Vogel. Vogel turned out to be a great coach. You know, but I think people were discrediting Lou because of the LeBron thing. He got in LeBron's face. He'll get in LeBron's face. And that's why these players respect him. And that's why he's a good coach. He's probably on Paul George and Kawhi, you know, behind the scenes. And he's really smart. He he make, he takes risks with uh, with lineups and, and changes and stuff. And, and sometimes the payoffs... Pay, pays off and sometimes it doesn't and and so far it's been paying off you know and and for doc rivers to not even make the next round where were they the the number one seed in the east and they lose to an atlanta team who had a, a coaching change in the middle of the year and you know i had them finishing i think fifth or sixth they ended up fifth and a lot of people were down they just, they just didn't believe in trey young my issue was just like only trey young able to make the, his other team teammates better 
And uh, can he help elevate those guys? You know, early on, him and John Collins had some some issues there, but man, they're deep. Bogdanovich has been great. Collins has been good too. Lou Williams, like all these guys, have been great. They've been. They look like they really enjoy playing with each other. Even Clint Capella, uh, he's been great defensively and in the pick and roll game there too. But Trey Young has has taken that next step. You know, he before he was a great stats, bad team guy. Now making the playoffs, acting like he made it, which bothers me when when guys do that. But he's here. He's made it. He's a star. They're in the conference finals for the second time. Last time when they won. Well, they won 60 games, and LeBron just destroyed them, uh, those Cavaliers team, and then they went on to the finals. Um, so, And then guess who they play? They play they're going to end up playing the Milwaukee Bucks, who Mike Budenholzer, the coach of the Bucks, used to coach. He coached that Hawks team. So that's a good storyline there. But, um, yeah, it looks like the Hawks might, might run away with it uh, in the East. There might be... Uh, might be in Milwaukee, but uh, Philly, you know, I, I don't think they make a coaching change because they just brought Doc in, but, you know, they fire Brett Brown, and he's doing, and Doc Rivers is doing the same thing that Brown's doing, you know, losing early in the playoffs after you got a good high seed in the regular season. And so I, I think I think the Sixers, as far as trade-wise, you know, a lot of people are going to be talking about Ben Simmons' trade value and all that, and it's, it's at an all-time low. Uh, he obviously has some mental hurdle he needs to overcome, uh, but this makes me want. This makes me think back about the Markel Fultz draft pick. You know when they drafted him number one overall, and you know he was a scorer at Washington. And this team, this Sixers team, was supposed to have a big three of Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, and uh, Joel Embiid. And I think the plan, honestly, was for was for Fultz to be the main ball carrier, ball handler, point guard. And then he, him and Ben Simmons kind of switch off there. And maybe Simmons be the main distributor of the ball. And then Embiid and uh, and Fultz kind of carry the team, carry the load there offensively. But then he had his whole shoulder injury, couldn't shoot. And he had some mental hurdles he had to overcome too. And then they just finally gave up on him and had to... He needed a whole new change of scenery though because, you know, the Philly fans kind of beat up on him. And it was just all in his head. Then he gets traded to Orlando, and before he tears his ACL this past season, he was having a great year. He was he was scoring, and he looked confident, and he was making his shots. But I don't know how many times it was a video, a clip of him trying to shoot a free throw, and he had this weird hitch in his shot. And I think that kind of derailed Philly. And this whole time, the Sixers' front office was trying to fill that void of, of what Markel Fultz was supposed to be for them because they had envisioned this, this sort of team with this big three of those guys, and it would have worked if you had Fultz, you know, scoring the way he can now, and then Embiid doing what he's doing now, and then if you have Ben Simmons as a third or fourth option, all he has to do is lock up on defense what he can do, rebound what he can do, distribute the ball what he can do, you know, get in the open court what he can do, but you don't make him, don't force him to shoot three-point shots, you know, you don't have to do that, but kind of work on his interior game a lot more, you know, because he's big, he's, what is he, 6'11", 6'10", 6'11", so work on his interior game. I think that team works in that sense. If if Fultz, you know, develops like he should and like he did, that that team works right there. You know, but you need to have Simmons as a third or fourth option. You can't have him as like the supposed number two best player if he's a liability late in the game and has no confidence, doesn't want the ball in his hands at all. So when the Sixers were trying to fill that void with. 
Uh, they've, they've tried it with uh, Tobias Harris, and then they brought in Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick. That was their best team when they had J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler, uh, Ben Simmons, and I think they had uh, Robert Covington and then Joel Embiid. That was, that was the best team that they had. Um, and I think they messed up by not re-signing uh, Jimmy Butler and then instead opting to give Tobias Harris all that money. Um, so that they're just still trying to catch up from that that uh that Fultz issue and right now you know I guess with Daryl Morey there as a GM there was talk about uh getting uh James Harden you know for Ben Simmons and maybe a draft pick or whatever but I don't know if that was truly on the table you know only they know that and you know if that was truly on the table and and the Sixers balked at it and said no then, you know, that's a problem. Because, like, imagine this team right now with Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like, come on. that would, that would You'd have two dynamic off- offensive threats right there. And now you don't – now Joel Embiid gets some help. And then if even if you have uh, Tobias Harris there still, like, that that's a good team that could go to the conference championship. They would have beat Atlanta definitely. And I think uh, – you I don't think you can trade Ben Simmons right now with that money he has – like three years left and like the last year of that deal he makes 40 million dollars like who's going to want to take that that salary on that contract on um i i a lot of people were floating out portland if you give up cj for ben simmons but what did i just say about about the fucking the blazers you know you have you have damian lillard who's just putting all this offensive pressure on his shoulders because you have other guys on the team who are inconsistent or injured and i said cj needs to step it up he needs to be scoring 30 35 in a playoff series you know not 21 and and like 9 of 21 you know if if we need uh cj mccollum to step up offensively like you can't trade him for ben simmons and have and ask ben simmons to do that to step up offensively it would help a lot defensively but who's going to fill that void scoring wise that the cj had you know so i don't i don't like that trade uh people were kind of throwing out some uh, different scenarios there i thought i saw something in boston and uh and miami as well i'm not sure he even gets traded you know because you'd have to give up you probably have to give up a, a first round two package first round and ben simmons and maybe another young player for someone to want to take his contract because you know when it's more mental that's that's a longer hurdle i think than if it's just you know mechanics or or you know i don't know just like skill set because you could just practice that and go to the gym but it seems like it's all in his head and it seems like he's gonna do like a long process there but apparently he's gonna try to switch shooting hands i don't know um but i i kind of thought about this i think lonzo ball is in the final year of his contract he's gonna be a free agent um but what about a swap there you know they both have some uh deficiencies offensively kind of similar defensively you know ben simmons probably a better uh defender but i would rather have lonzo ball i think than um than ben simmons you know and you know if he's with the sixers you know he's getting better at a three at his three-point shot he moves the ball well and you know he's he's a decent defender you know above average he's not a ben simmons defender but and then you know ben simmons he could just go to new orleans you know and you know, be the third wheel there uh, to to Ingram and to Williams, Zion Williams, and he could just you know get everybody involved. You know, be a pass first point guard, and you know, because the the Pelicans have Eric Bledsoe, and he's just I don't know, I just don't like his game. 
Uh, ben Simmons, I think, would be a better fit there. You know, because you have, and you could you could get rid of Bledsoe, send uh, Lonzo Ball to the Sixers, and I don't know if the the contracts would would work out, but you got to figure out a way to do that. Um, and then that team defensively, though, you know, with Ben Simmons there, and then you got some, uh, you got Stephen Adams down low. I don't know. He's just got to. He needs a new uh, a new team to go to play for in a city that doesn't get a lot of attention. I know New Orleans gets a lot of attention because of uh, Zion, but you know, besides that, I mean, no one really cares about the Pelicans. And you know, there's already talk about Zion wanting to go somewhere else, or his family members want him somewhere else. And you know, he's talked about New York in the past. So I don't know what what the what the place is or what the spot is for Ben Simmons, but it feels like they need to separate. You know, because him and Embiid can't really play together. You know, Embiid needs another guy that he can rely on offensively. He can't have uh, any deficiencies there. Even he even said in uh, his post game press conference was like, you know, I thought when we uh, when we passed the ball and then uh, we got fouled and only made one free throw or something. It seemed like he called out Ben Simmons, but apparently there was more to the quote. And he said, you know, he he took blame for some of it as well. Uh, but I think it's on it's on Doc. It's on Ben Simmons. You know, Doc should have tried to build his com- – I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, but you got to build his confidence, you know, along the way during the entire season, you know, because people see what they – they hear all the stuff that, you know, people are talking about when it comes to their shooting, you know, first take or first things first, all these first shows and um, ESPN and stuff. You know, that it's just been – it's the talk of Ben Simmons' career, you know, and when he came out of college – at LSU, he wasn't much of a shooter. You know, he was interior scorer. Everyone knew that. And now he's, what, fourth year in, his, in the league and hasn't really improved much. He's kind of plateaued and, and he's gone down in certain aspects. And, like, just work on that, you know. Just see a sports psychologist, something, you know, because I think it's all mental at this point. But first, this is my advice to Ben Simmons. I think he needs to take a break, to go on vacation. Is he still dating a Kardashian? If not, I don't know, someone else. He could find, like, Instagram model or something, you know. Um, and then go, you got to go to an island somewhere, take a long break, clear your mind, you know, do all the stuff. And then when you get back, I think he should play for the Australian national team when it comes to the Olympics and just work on your game. You got you, could, you got competitive basketball right there, and you can work on your shot, work on whatever the hell you need to clear your mind and then come back you know get maybe get a shooting coach go to a sports psychologist and just try to improve but i feel bad for him you know because everyone everyone is destroying him and everyone thinks he's the worst player ever you know he, he has a lot of flaws for sure but you know i don't think he should get crucified for it um and then switching gears here uh talk about the bucks and the nets you know we had some kevin durant heroics you know he played um the full game again you know game seven um, you know, Giannis had a great game. He was doing everything, had all his boards and, um, had a lot of points and, um, you know, other guys were, were contributing as well. You know, I think, um, late in the game, Brooklyn seemed like they were just kind of, uh, rely on KD doing a lot of ISO. Um, you know, I thought Steve Nash had called more plays for him. You know, Harden was out there. Harden wants to, or a lot of people want to give Harden grief because, you know, he hasn't played well in big games, game seven. He had 22 points but didn't shoot the ball well. I think he made two threes. Uh, Harden was out there with one leg, you know, and I thought 
he needed to be out there in the first game was a game five he was out there more as a decoy and it worked and they got the win against the bucks but um you know they didn't have a lot of guys that they could turn to the nets you know especially with joe harris who had the worst series of his life had a bad postseason run wasn't making any shots essentially you know if he made two more threes this game the the nets would be in the conference finals you know and um i think uh nash was just trying to get uh kevin durant to bail him out he almost did the last second uh, of regulation. You know, he hit this turnaround jumper, and his foot was right on the line. It went in, but uh, if he made, if his foot was behind the line, they would have a one-point lead, and they would have won the game. So since his foot was touching the line, uh, tied the game. They went to overtime, and Katie just didn't have it. You know, he had another chance. Uh, Drew Holiday was guarding him. It was kind of the same shot, um, and he did the same thing, and his foot was on the line again. But he airballed it this time. And I thought at the end there he should have taken it to uh, Holiday, went to the mid-range, tied the game, and tried to get try to get it to another overtime. But he seemed like he was so exhausted and didn't have anything else left. Um, and, uh, yeah, then they ended up losing. But I heard that he actually wears a, um, a size 13. Or he's actually a size 12. But he wears a 13 to play. And if he wore his regular shoe size, like the 12s, then he his foot would have been behind the line and they would have won the game. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But he normally plays in a size 13 to have more uh, room there, I guess, for his feet. And, uh, yeah, you know, they I mean, Blake Griffin looked good in, in spots there. He contributed well for the team. I thought uh, Jeff Green should have played a lot more, especially after that game he had in Game 5 where he scored 27 points and just made – I think he made like six threes or seven threes or something. I thought he, he could have played more, could have subbed him in, switched, uh, give Harden a rest. Um, I thought, yeah, I, I think it's kind of on uh, Steve Nash too uh, for this one for sure, you know, and Joe Harris for not making his shots. But, you know, I'll give credit to Kevin Durant. He had a good series. He was really putting everything on his shoulders. I can't knock him for the game he had. He hit that he hit that shot and took him to overtime. He needed some other help. He needed some other guys to to contribute in a big way. Didn't have that. Um but you know, they have a lot of there's a a lot of financial obligations that they need to sort through. The Nets, you know, they have Kyrie, KD and Harden, you know, their contracts are up and they got to decide, you know, they're going to max them out. Um, but then they have to kind of build the roster around them. You know, do they bring back Jeff Green? Do they trust Joe Harris again? You know, or do they kind of get rid of him? But he, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. So I think you got to run it back with, with the guys that you have. I think you got to get rid of DeAndre Jordan. I know he's buddy-buddy with Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie. He got no run in the playoffs, you know, so he's just kind of there. Um, and then, you know, do you bring Blake back? You know, he looked good. Um, you know, he was obviously lying about being done in, um, in Detroit, you know, and, you know, when you're in a winning culture, you know, your perspective can change. And I think for him, I think he's, it's good for him to be in Brooklyn. Um, I don't know what they're going to do though, besides the three guys, um, Harden, Kyrie and KD. Those are the three locks for sure. Other than that, you know, there's, uh, there's open roster spots after that. Um, is what the I think what the GM had said, and you know they're gonna trade Spencer Dinwiddie. You know he tore his ACL, so he only played a few games uh, earlier than season. Uh, but there's a lot of question marks for that team. 
Um, and I'm not sure how they're gonna how it's gonna look. But if this team is fully healthy, if they had Kyrie, they'd have easily gone by the Bucks. You know, the Bucks won. If you look at if you think about it, really, they really just be a team with Kevin Durant and then James Harden with one leg and um, an injured Kyrie. And so, I don't think the Bucks should be too excited about it. You know, they do have a path to the finals here. If they just let Giannis dominate in the paint here. Um, you need a lot from Chris Middleton. And if Drew Holiday can lock up Trey Young in any way, you know, or limit him offensively, then I think the Bucks can win the series. You know, I think it's going to come down to coaching, though. You know, uh, apparently the, the Bucks, I, I was shitting on Mike Budenholzer there for a while, and uh, they decided they're probably going to bring him back. You know, him going to the conference finals saved his job, even though they barely got by. It was by like a half inch, basically, because of uh, Kevin Durant's shoe. So it seems like they're not going to make big changes. You know, if they make the finals here, he's definitely secure. Um, but, you know, it all comes down, uh, I think it comes down to Holiday and, um, and his defensive presence against Trey Young. And then also uh, for Giannis, you know, he, uh, it's going to be loud there in Atlanta and he's got to be able to make his free throws under 10 seconds. They haven't really been calling it. They call it against Miami. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to take... I'm going to take the Hawks to beat the Bucks, only because, you know, both of these teams are kind of inexperienced when it comes to, to being this far in the postseason. But all of these Hawks games, you know, against the Sixers, against the Knicks, late in the games, you know, when you think they're going to lose and, you know, the other team's getting momentum and they're talking shit and, you know, they're puffing their chest out like, oh, yeah, man, we, we got this dunk, we got the steal, we got a five-point lead. And then, you know, you look at the clock, there's five minutes left. All they do, all this Hawks team does is put their head down and then they just keep playing. You know, they take each possession at a time. Trey Young, he had a bad game in game seven and they still pulled off that win against the Sixers. You know, they got other guys involved. That was with Bogdanovich injured. So if Bogdanovich comes back and he's, he's healthy and he could contribute the same way, you know, I, this Bucks team doesn't have an answer for the depth of the Hawks, you know. And late in games, they've been showing that they can. They can call, you know, good plays. They could do some isolation with Trey Young, and they can close out games. You know, they've proven that they can do that, even though this is the first time that this team has been in the playoffs together. And, you know, the Bucks they haven't been able to do that. Even, you know, with this postseason so far, Budenholzer has not, you know, we've, we've talked about his late-game decisions. He hasn't been able to draw, you know, proper plays for them, you know, to make a, a consistent shot at the end and, you know, there's always something always bad happens or, or Giannis gets the ball and it ends up being an air ball. Like, he doesn't draw up good uh, last-second shots or plays at the at the end of games here. doesn't make good adjustments. So, you know, I think the Hawks are going to be able to do that. Nate McMillan's a veteran coach. I think he, he'll be able to do that better than Budenholzer. So I'm going to take the Hawks in the East, and then I'm going to take the Suns in the West, and we're going to have a, a Hawks and Suns finals. And... Neither of them have a championship. So, and also the Clippers don't have a championship. They don't have a finals appearance. The Bucks have one championship uh, with the uh, with Kareem. So, and it's been was that seventy one when they won. So we're gonna get a champion here that hasn't won or hasn't won in a really long time. And that that's that's fun to see. I know it's a little different than um, what people are used to, but. Uh, it's good to see. I like parody sometimes. So there's an update on the Luca news. You know, this was after Donnie Nelson had stepped down, and then Luca 
was going to release a statement and it was going to be this whole thing. And so he came out and said, uh, oh, you know, Donnie, this was a big deal for me. You know, we were close and he was the one that drafted me or whatever. You know, basically like, oh, I hate to see him go kind of thing. But then after that, Rick Carlisle stepped down. You know, and it wasn't like he was retiring. He apparently still wants to coach. And, you know, it was uh, it was his decision. He had two years left on his contract. What I found interesting, though, was that he released a statement. And his statement said a lot more than Lucas. But, uh, you know, he, he thanked all the everyone, you know, for uh, the time he spent there, being nice to his family and all this. But then he named some players. He named uh, Dirk, uh, Mike Con- not Mike Conley, um, Michael Findlay. I think Jason Kidd was on there. You know, he named some guys, but then he didn't name Luca. You know, and I thought that was pretty telling. Um, and then another report came out that they had some uh, some tension for sure. And you know, they Luca kind of snapped at him a few times here and there. So it seems like front office kind of got wind of their relationship, and you know, they were privately and secretly concerned about this relationship between Luca and Rick Carlisle. And so what happens, uh, you know, they decide to let go of Rick Carlisle. Essentially, that's what happened. It feels like, hey, you know, Rick, we got to let you go. But how do you want to spin this? That's what it seems like it is. I don't think he did that himself. Um, But it doesn't make sense. It seems like they're making changes for Luca. Like, hey, man, we we want you to be here. We're kind of worried about you trying to leave. So look, we'll get rid of we'll get rid of Rick. Like fuck Rick. We'll just get rid of him, man. Don't worry about it. Like you're you know what you're talking about. You know, you're 23, but I feel like you know a lot about how to run an NBA team and we're just going to listen to you. And but then the Donnie Nelson thing was weird cuz if they really like Luca and want to listen to everything he says, like why let go of uh Donnie Nelson? And they're keeping like this analytics guy who Luca has issues with, right? That's what the report was, but they're keeping that guy still. And he's like the shadow GM. So it doesn't really make sense. There's a lot of friction. I know people are saying like, oh, Luca kind of did this and they did this because of him. But if that's the case, then wouldn't they have kept Donnie Nelson and then uh, got rid of the, the, I forget the guy's name, but the analytics dude, like, right? Because they were like, oh, he likes Donnie. Let's keep him. He doesn't like Rick. Let's get a Rick, get rid of Rick and hire the um, the assistant coach, the, the, um, the guy that Luca trains with. I don't have his name in front of me, but he really likes him. Um, so there's there's a lot going on there, you know. Um, I figure they'll 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 make it work. Mark Cuban will figure something out. But I you know I expect Luca to sign the supermax. He'd be he'd be stupid to uh, to turn down two hundred million because you could just sign the supermax, and if you want out after three years, like you could easily get out. Anthony Davis did that. Other guys do that, you know. I think Kyrie did that. Or no, he was his contract was up after that. But you could do that, and then get they could get first round picks, and they can make the money work. You know, there's a lot of guys there out there that that have big contracts that people are trying to get rid of. I mentioned Ben Simmons. You know, you got uh, John Wall. You got other dudes like that. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more to to hear on this. You know, Rick Carlisle thought he would be um, a candidate for the Boston Celtics, but there was a report that he was not. Uh, Brad Stevens needs to fill that void still. Um, and then I also thought about the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought the Milwaukee Bucks would fire Budenholzer and then bring in Rick Carlisle, and, which I thought that would be a good move, but uh, they're deciding to keep Budenholzer. So what other openings do you have? You have the Blazers, 
from the Blazers, I wouldn't call Rick Carlisle because, uh, you know, that's where they got Terry Stotts from. He was an assistant under him, and so could be the same thing. But it seems like the Blazers are going to hire either uh, Chauncey Billups or Becky Hammond. They're giving a second interview to Mike D'Antoni, which I hope that it's not Mike D'Antoni, you know, because you already had Carmelo play for him and that didn't really work out. Um, but, yeah, so you have the Pelicans opening as well. I, it seems like Jackie Va- Vaughn is the uh, the candidate there. Not sure where Rick Carlisle fits in. You know, is he trying to go to the front office or um, is there another team maybe? I think Orlando needs a coach also. And then did Detroit? No, I think they still have Dwayne Casey. But So there's some openings, but nothing says like, oh, Rick Carlisle's the guy, um, so I, I I thought I thought the Celtics would uh, would be there. Uh, the Celtics, there's some news there. That was um, you know they they traded Kemba uh, to the to Thunder. They got some draft picks and kind of made the the money work there. But they did get back Al Horford, who is basically useless with the Boston Celtics. Um, so I you know with Kemba, there was a lot of reports about him wanting wanting to leave Boston and it was kind of mutual but apparently this all started you know when Kemba had he had knee issues in Charlotte and then when he got traded you know and then they had the bubble they couldn't you know during the pandemic they couldn't really work with them the Celtics and they told Kemba to work on these exercises for your knee and stuff and you know to get your knee healthier for the season and then he came back, and he didn't do anything with his knee. He didn't work at all on it, right? And you know, they kind of looked at like, "Hey, man, like, why wouldn't you work on your on your knee here to you know to try to get better?" So a lot of people were worried about his knee, and you know, there was some tension there with Brad Stevens. And then you know, he's reportedly heartbroken. But it's like, okay, dude, like this is a business. You know, you were just you just got here. You really. You really kind of underperformed there for Boston. They needed you, especially when Jalen Brown went out, and you just did not show up time and time again. You were just missing shots. You were not Kimball Walker from Charlotte anymore or UConn. Like he just looked like he lost a step, and I don't know if it was his knee, but then he's not working on his knee. So it's like, well, dude, do you want to be here? Like, what are you doing? You know, like work on your craft there. Um, so. He goes to Thunder, who are the Thunder are obviously going to try to unload his contract, but I don't know who, you know, he's owed a lot of money for three three years, I believe. Like, who's going to want to take that on? You know, he's he was two years into a max contract, and Boston already cut bait. And honestly, I think, you know, he just, he might be done. I, definitely as a starter, he might be done, you know, especially if he's not working on his stuff outside of that, um, you know, working on his knee and stuff. So, um, not sure where Boston goes from here. They have, they it does open up a lot of uh, cap space for them, but then there was another report with uh, this was regarding Blake Griffin. Apparently, Blake Griffin was trying to he was interested in signing with the Celtics, which I don't believe. I, I didn't read any report about that, but some a current player on the team told him, "No, don't don't come sign with the Celtics because there's a lot of dysfunction here." Like he warned him, "Hey, man, don't come over here." And apparently there was a lot of stuff with Brad Stevens that some of the players didn't like his coaching style sometimes. And, um, you know, hearing that, if there is some truth to that, that makes me believe more and more that, um, you know, Brad Stevens was kind of like the promotion was more of a demotion. I I know it it comes off as a promotion, but I think the, the Boston 
organization, front office, they like Brad Stevens so much and respect his basketball mind and they love his family and stuff that they didn't want to lose him. They didn't want to like completely side with the players and say, oh, you know what, Brad, you're done. You got to get fired. You're like, you're not working with our team well. They liked his mind so much. Like, hey, man, like, how about you work in the front office? You hire another coach. Like, you just work behind the scenes. And then we get another coach to work with this roster. You know, and, and if they did do that, like, you know, kudos to them. They they backed their guy, but then, you know, kind of not all the way. But then he was kind of burnt out, too. So it seemed like it was mutual. But I think it's also probably because of the uh, the way that the, the players were receiving, you know, his coaching, the reception of him. And I... And there was also those issues with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, he came. They came out. I think his dad came out and said that Anthony Davis will never play in Boston. The whole Kyrie thing with the racism allegations, and um, then also the Isaiah Thomas stuff. You know that wasn't a good look. A lot of there's been a lot of anti-Boston stuff, and um, I think that's why Danny Ainge had um, had stepped down. Uh, but he, even though he's not fully retiring, he is looking for another spot to go to. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting what Brad Stevens does roster wise. You know, his first trade was to his buddy, uh, Sam Presti. They have a good relationship there. Um, and yeah, that's the first trade trading Kemba Walker to the thunder and it gets Al Horford back. The NBA draft lottery was, is tonight and the results were just announced. Uh, so let's see. Oh, the Pistons got the number one overall pick. That's good. Um, and then the Rockets number two. Cavs number three, Raptors number four. That's a good one because uh, they could package that uh, with Kyle Lowry or someone, and and uh, you get something big in return, or you can you can um, use that pick to uh, to better the team. But it looks like they they might trade Kyle Lowry either way. Um, and then number five, you have the Magic. Six, Thunder. Seven. Uh, is the Warriors, and they get that from the D'Angelo Russell trade to the Timberwolves. Um, so it was outside of the protection for the top four, I believe, or top three. Um, so that's a great pick for them. They, I don't think they're going to put that together with James Wiseman and trade them, um, but we'll see. And then the Magic have eight, and that one's from Chicago. So the Orlando Magic have five and eight, um, and I thought they had a pretty good team there in the beginning of the year before Fultz went down. Um, I thought they were going to... Um, make the playoffs. Um, so yeah, you could either package that or man, that's, that's good for them. Uh, the Kings at nine, not sure what they're doing. Pelicans at 10, the Hornets at 11, the Spurs at 12, Pacers at 13, and then the Warriors at 14. So the Warriors are at seven and 14. That's, uh, that's good. Those are, those are a good trade piece to have there. Um, you know, 17 and seven and 14, you could, I don't know, man, if, you think the Wizards would try to would trade Bradley Beal for James Wiseman, uh, seventh pick and the fourteenth pick? I don't know if if you're Golden State though, do you do that? You know, because I think I think Wiseman is special. I think he's going to be great. Um, I don't know if he's going to be like as what Bradley Beal is. Um, you know, he does have a lot of potential. He's just so raw. Um, I I wouldn't trade him right now though. Um, you know, because he he could be the next the next guy for you, you know, the next franchise player. But then, you know, the way that the league is turning, you know, you kind of have to balance the future and then the present. 
you know, because Curry only has so much time left. He's 33. You know, Draymond's getting up there. Clay is coming back from, you know, two major injuries and hasn't played in two years. So you kind of have to see time-wise, you know, if you want to put all your chips in the basket right now and and get the most out of Curry's, like, the rest of his career. Cause, but I think he, Curry could play till what, 36, 37? He probably won't have the same games that he's having now. But, I mean, you know, he's a shooter. And, you know, shooters could always shoot. You know, look at Ray Allen. He... He was shooting till 38, 39 there with the Heat. And then he he almost made multiple comebacks with the Warriors when he was like 40, 41 there. Multiple teams were interested, and he almost came out of retirement multiple times. So, you know, you could piece together um, a good package there. And front office has to decide what they're going to do. But with seven, you can get – you could probably get Jalen Suggs there at seven, I think. You know, maybe, maybe not. You know, there's some G League guys that are going to go up that high. But if you get Jalen Suggs at seven, you keep Wiseman, you keep Wiggins, and kind of run it back with the rest of the guys. Um, not Ubre. I think Ubre. I don't think he was a good fit. Uh, Wiggins took a, took a big step there. So, um, yeah, they got a lot of decisions to make. But uh, that's the podcast for this week. Um, about to catch the, the Clippers and the Suns here. Uh, so thanks for listening.